This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's good to be with you. Yes, we're live. It's another Thursday afternoon and another Future CEOs conversation with uh, Joel. Are we allowed to call you a bigwig? I think we're all bigwigs in our own world, aren't we? We we, we certainly are. But you you're a, a bigwig from a interesting world, which is of course rugby, and then moving into business. And we're going to talk about your journey today. Um, welcome to the Future CEO Studio. It's good to have you here. Kareth, thanks very much. It's uh, lovely to be here and nice to chat about two sort of parallel careers and lives. And I mean, that's really what you're alluding to is, is, is a past career in sport and, uh, and, and, and obviously how it's sort of translated into, to where we are today. And that's the voice of Joel Stransky. Many of you will remember that, that kick. I think, uh, I, I wonder how many times people bring that up with you. It's on, on a uh, daily, weekly basis. Well, you know, they say when people don't want to talk about it, you're out of out of mind and and long forgotten. Mm. So uh, as long as people are talking about it, it's a great privilege. And and so the kick that we're referring to, of course, is '95 World Cup. That that wonderful game against the All Blacks. Joel Stransky with the ball in hand decides to win the game for us. So thank you for doing that. It's <laughs> <laughs> really my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so remember, if you can say yes, I'm a future CEO. Then this is the show for you. You may be sitting in a cubicle somewhere wanting to uh, go into that corner office upstairs, you know, that, that one with the great view. Well, then this is the show for you if that's your aspiration. You may also be owning your own business and want to fast track its growth, expedite it. Well, then this is a show for you. We, we bring interesting individuals into studio to talk to them about their journeys and how they did what they do. Joel is one of those. We're very grateful to have you. Let's kick off very, very quickly. And I think the, the, for me, the elephant in the room question is how in the world did you go from sporting hero to owning your own business and, and, and? Well, it, it started, um, you know, when you finish playing sport, and in fact, we, we've built one of our businesses on this exact question. We, when you finish playing sport, you, you've got a decision to make, don't you? You've got to decide on a future career. You've got to decide where you're going to go, what, what it's going to be in. And, and for many sports people, personalities, you know, men and women, the natural step is to, to try and in some way remain in, involved in that sport because it is a passion. It's, you know, it's somewhere deep down inside. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your makeup. And initially, I, took that journey up when I was still playing I became player coach and I coached a bit and then I got injured and couldn't play anymore and and carried on coaching and and at some point in that little coaching that short spell of coaching I realized you know maybe coaching wasn't for me Mm. um really cutthroat they say there's two types of coaches those who've been fired and those waiting to be fired and okay really and and I just uh, had a little bad experience really and and decided that I didn't want to be a full-time coach I didn't want to uh have my Income, my family's future dependent on, 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 on a career where it was as volatile as it was. So mm. we came back to South Africa and uh, looked for some opportunities and ended up getting involved, getting involved in the, in the world of business. Okay. Uh, uh, did you study business previously? Was it happenstance that it started to move in that direction? Well, I, I, so that is one of my regrets in life. I, I, I was doing a BCom at the University of Natal and didn't finish it because I embarked on this journey of playing professional rugby. And, mm. you know, it came with its own set of great values and, and, uh, and I achieved more than I could ever have dreamed of achieving on the, on the sports field. So mm. probably the right decision. But if there was one thing, 
I definitely should have done. I should have finished my degree. So, so I did have a little bit of a background, but probably not as much as it should have been. Well, I mean, I, I look out into the world and I look at the, so many different business leaders and some of them are qualified. Some of them aren't. Some of them are CAs. Some of them have a standard three or standard, uh, you know, they're dropouts. Yeah. And so the, there's this diversity in business that, uh, I mean, certainly put, stands you in good stead no matter who you really are. Well, I think Richard Branson was one of those, yeah, wasn't he? Exactly. And I mean, I'd love to have as much cash as, he, yeah, as he's sure, got, wouldn't sure. we all? But, uh, it is. And, and a lot of those billionaires are, are real entrepreneurial types who've, who've made their money out of thinking differently, thinking out the box, thinking laterally and putting their dependence in, on the detail in, in the hands of the right people who, mm. who do have those degrees. You can go and help them make it happen. But it's their relationships and it's it's their ability to think differently that's got them where they are. Well, let, let's go into your journey a little bit. So you you did speak about then leaving leaving professional yep. rugby, yep. moving into this coaching uh, where you kind of felt like it wasn't really for you. Then you started to evolve again. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that evolution. How did that begin to take shape? Well, I, I don't think it's a steadfast process. And for me, it was a little bit of trial and error. I got mm. involved in a property development business and and more so on the sales and the marketing side you know there wasn't quite a perfect fit so i left and then at that point probably the best thing and that could have happened to me happened george rotenbach from megapro approached me and and I'd, I'd met him a few times and we became really good mates and i went to work for him um in the world of commercial sport and and okay. so so the the great thing for me was i, I learned a huge amount about business in that world where you know my heart still lay it was mm. very much around the commercial rights of south african rugby it was around assisting ian riley in, in certain elements of the bid book for the 2010 soccer world cup it was cricket world cup hospitality there was just so many you know those little strings in sport that 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 were created variation firstly mm. which is someone like me I'm, I'm a little add and i you know i need that that variation to keep me inspired and mm. keep me motivated um, but but most importantly, it gave me a great insight into relationship building, into the commercial side of sport, into the real economics, the accounting side, and th- and that's really that that was my first step into sport, and I grew in that role tremendously. George was an unbelievable mentor for mm. me, um, and and uh, you know at some point the journey comes to that point where someone who's driven and independent and and wanting to be CEO of his future. Um, you know, I also stepped away and became a little entrepreneurial, but, but that was for me the groundwork and, and where all the hard yards were done. So I, I want to ask two questions here. One is on the confidence side, which yep. uh, a senior executive at ABSO in an interview with him once, he, he described it as his crisis of confidence when he moves into an, an arena where previously he knew exactly what he did, what he needed to do to get a particular kind of outcome. Then he moves into another area. And suddenly it's a whole different language. Uh, I'd like to hear about your experience yeah. with, with this crisis of confidence. Did you experience that? So I didn't experience it then. Okay. I, I have experienced it. And in fact, I think um, just like we talk about many rugby players being confidence players, I think business is about confidence mm-hmm. as well, um, which is to your point. But but I've found that, that step into the entrepreneurial space, I found it a little easier than, than, than maybe someone who looked like the guy you spoke to found. I, I, I found it. Quite, um, quite, quite inspiring in many ways to mm. be, you know, to have your fate and destiny in your own hands, to be in charge of your, your future, to be doing everything you can for you and, and, and a business partner, as opposed to be working for 
someone else or a corporate and, and Megapro at that time was part of the Prime Media Group, so it was very corporate-y. Mm. Um, so, so I, I found it quite enlightening. Um, I, I did suffer at some point from a proper confidence dent. Okay. Um, I went from, you know, that entrepreneurial space. I was approached and joined, uh, the LTEC group and I became sales and marketing director of LTEC Netstar and then be- became the CEO or the MD, the group MD. Mm. Um, and, and then I left and went to Steinhoff and Steinhoff put me in a position and promptly sold that business and I didn't get on with the new management and oh, they got wow. rid of me. Okay. You know, so, so that for me was a huge failure to have someone say to me, listen, you don't fit in and you don't tow the party line and you're mm. out and, and mm. you know, in, in the, in the space of 24 hours to, to be really, you know, diving in head first and very shortly after to be chucked out the door. It's, it, that, that is a proper confidence, is, uh, you uh, know, knock and. So a bit of a, a, a right hook. A, a right hook to the solar plexus yeah. and I think below that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, life is about these little knockdowns. You've, you know, you've, you've, Life is about getting knocked down. You can't always be on top. You can't always be winning. You you lose the odd game. You lose the odd battle, and you get up and you go again. Mm. And I'm I really want to be able to ask some of those questions yeah. to you in just a moment. I I do want to, you to talk for a moment to the sports, the young sportsmen and women that are out there who are listening to this. But where and. I don't know if this happens all the time, but it does seem to happen. Often you, you are pulled into a position, and, and Kluby, who unfortunately isn't here today, um, my co-host, is also, also experiences this in her own way because of the celebrity status that she occupies, where you're pulled into a front, uh, a front of product kind of role. You, you're a, a sales individual. People let you in the room. Why? Because you've got the big name and, and, and this background. Your experience on that? Well, I, so. Is it negative? No, it's definitely not negative. It's, okay. it's hugely positive because it, as you quite rightly point out, it gets you in the room, mm. you know, and I, I think there's a lot of people out there who have similar roles where they can bang the doors down and they don't necessarily get the door opened. Mm. Um, but I think if you come with a, a name from international sport or celebrity status like Shlubi, and it's a real shame she's not here because I do adore Shlubi. Mm. She's, you know, we've known each other for a long time and, She's a wonderful lady, and 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 I'm. Uh, you can tell I'm a little angry that she's not here today. Oh, she's listening. Yeah, good, <laughs> oh. good. Where are you? Um, but but the, the 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 critical thing is if you've got a name and you've achieved something in sport or you have that celebrity status, it gets you in the door. But mm. getting in the door isn't enough to do a deal. You know, it it opens the door. What you've got to do is you've got to go in with a a value proposition that makes total sense because mm. businessmen and decision makers won't buy something because they think you're a lack of oak. Mm. They're going to buy something because it's the right decision for their business. Mm. So you still have to find a way to motivate that and, and position it in such a way that it is the right decision for them. Well, we, are we constantly talking when we talk to younger uh, aspirational future CEOs? Mm. We, we talk to them and we, we try and help them understand that it's not enough to create a facade. You, you really have to have that substance behind you, and I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not just about the substance. It's about positioning. For me, I was... I always think about who I buy from, why mm. I buy, and when when we do invest and we do make those decisions, it's because it it makes sense for our business. It's because it creates value in some way. So I always try to put myself in in the person's shoes who I'm selling to, who we're positioning our, mm. our solutions with, and uh, try and find a way to give them a business case where it makes absolutely perfect sense and it's a no-brainer. And I think that's probably the lesson for those out there who who are getting in the door. You know, make it work. 
for the op- for the person you're presenting to as opposed to yourself. Do you have an experience that you can share where it just all went wrong? So uh, oh, uh, the, 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 the thing is, uh, someone like you, people perceive you in a particular kind of way as never making mistakes, mm-hmm. although you've shared that there have been things you've, you've fallen There's down been a few plenty. times. There's been plenty. There's been plenty. So share, share one that is memorable. Well, that, that really taught you something. So, so I mean, if, if I just go back to first in my Megapro days, you know, when Megapro and the sports market is about saying to, I don't know, an SA rugby, let's use SA rugby. Mm. And it's a good example because right now they are doing things really well. Mm. Um, they've just signed up a new sponsor on the back of their shirt. I understand they're about to, you know, announce a, a new vehicle sponsor. So, so things are going well. And, and to be quite frank, the team are at the bottom of, the pile at the moment. They're yeah, not they're in not a great per- space. Not performing great, yeah. So as much as there are great signs and and there's you know maybe a good future ahead, it's probably not a good time. Or it's it's the perfect time if you position things right for mm. a sponsor to get involved. Mm. So so I mean I remember trying to pitch certain of the SA rugby brands and in particular the Bulls. So mm. so so understand when in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, around about that era, if I remember correctly. The Bulls had lost 12 or 13 games in a row. There was one Super Rugby season. They didn't win a game. They mm. were sponsorless, and we we eventually managed to get them a sponsor. But I banged on every single door. Every single sponsor said, look, you know, we, we, we think the Bulls might come right, but we don't want to associate our brand with a, with a bunch of losers. I'm losing, yeah. You know, losing so, brand, so, so there were huge failures. Eventually, I got someone to agree that if the Bulls won their next game, they would sponsor them. So a bit of a, a bit a, of a bet. Exactly. Seems. It was a proper bet. <laughs> and then we incentivize them to say if they win three games this season, the sponsorship fee is X. If they mm. win six games, it's two okay, X. If they, so, so we really incentivize the Bulls to, you know, to start winning. And three or four years later, they won the Super Rugby competition. Mm. So, so for that sponsor, it was a perfect time to get involved. And I think ultimately, and I know ultimately, they sold on the sponsorship from the front of the jersey, took a small sponsorship on the back, made a profit out of their sponsorship, and were associated with the, one of the great rugby stories. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It, it really does sound like getting low, sell high. Well, that's what's happening right now, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah. it's it's the key. It's about positioning your s- solution that it makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about where you are right now. Yeah. The the brand is called Pivotal. So our group is the Pivotal Group, yeah. And and, and just, just give us a quick 30-second elevator pr- pitch. The elevator pitch. Okay, yeah. we're a disruptive technology business. We okay. started in the voice biometric space, voice authentication. One Volt was our, our first company. Um. We had a, a small investment in a company called Red Tree Capital, which was our second investment, and that's that's really asset finance and rental, and that business is still going and still operates out of our offices today. Really good bunch of guys. We then, through the one volt journey, we started, you know, pitching to a lot of the call centers around voice authentication, and uh, and, and and that voice authentication product has now finally taken traction after six years mm. and is being rolled out. Um, six years. Six years. Wow. Slow adoption process. Mm. Bear in mind as well that there was a bit of a financial crisis through that time sure. and, you know, sure. a big slowdown. We, um, through the call center in, uh, I'll call it that, we, we met some guys and, and as a result, we started building and managing call centers, mainly the technology side, but also the infrastructure. Um, that's a company called Pivotal Data that we own. Um, we, we, inside Pivotal Data, we've now built our own hosted telephony platform, fully hosted, wonderful solution. It's got everything integrated into the solution, everything you can imagine, inc- including the, the voice authentication. 
Um, to cut a real long story short, we've got quite a few other businesses in there from in the health space. Um, online medical consulting is a new okay, uh, yes, business we've just started, Medici. And now we've just recently really, I think, perfected the art of talent management through a company called Pivotal Talent. Yeah, so there's there's an AI component to yeah. this talent thing. Uh, but, but I'm fascinated, before we go into in, in these kind of intricacies, how did this all begin? Where did where did the pivotal thing happen for you? And and tell us about that experience, please. So, so I mean, I got my first taste of, of the technology game when I ran the Altec Netstar group of companies. And, mm. and, and I think you, as much as that was technology in the vehicle tracking, the truck um, driver management process, you sort of, you understand at that point, how big technology is going to go, and and there was no mention of artificial intelligence around that time, but but certainly technology is w- was the future. And so, you know, when uh, when I joined Steinoff and things didn't go so well in in, in when they traded, you know, the, inside the group, the the obvious step out was back towards technology, and I happened to have become quite friendly with with one of my partners, Paul Hutton, and. We were talking about this voice space and voice biometrics, and it just seemed a, a natural progression. Real opportunity, real forward-thinking technology, real, really disruptive, and most importantly, um, and as much as it's taken us five or six years to really get some traction in the market, um, the, the process, the efficiencies it would create, the way it would change the way businesses did business telephonically, it, it it seemed like a great idea at the time. I'll tell you right now, two years ago, it seemed like a really bad idea because we were <laughs> sure. battling to get it rolled out. Sure. Um, and it's been a long, hard journey. But but today, when I look back, we made the right decisions as, as much as the journey has, has been arduous and tough. Um, and, and we're at a point now where, where we are really positioned well to go forward. So tell us then, what is the biggest mistake that you've made? We'll, we'll, we'll exclude everything before entrepreneurship yeah. tell, tell us about the entrepreneurial biggest mistake that you've made so far what, and, and perhaps what did it teach you um so i don't think there's one mistake i think probably there are lessons that i've learned okay um in the last five or six years i, I think um you know and, and and we didn't really chat about pivotal talent it's around the people mm. the thing that we've 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 probably got right in many ways and wrong every now and then is is the people. Mm. We've um, we've appointed one or two people that haven't been successful inside our organisation, and I look back on those and I think, why weren't they successful? Did we appoint the wrong people, or did we not manage them in the way they needed to be managed? That's probably two good questions. Where, where our mistakes came was was maybe around some of the people we appointed, but some of the great success stories are the other people we've appointed who've become hugely successful in, mm. inside our organisation and have contributed enormously in terms of the of the value they add. So I am interested in this because of course being in the future CEO space we we're approached by different organizations yep. and we talk about different things and we do various things. Uh, this idea of AI, yep. the ability to measure pre-appointment. Just t- tell me what tell me what this actually is. Uh, yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm not so interested in the sales talk yeah. as I actually am in how do you actually measure it? So so so, I mean, this there's a very trick. interesting debate going on right right now, just around AI. To start with, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg and Elon yeah. Musk having a huge, you know, public conference or debate around around the future of AI. AI is quite misleading in mm. in many ways, and 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 I think um, to Elon Musk's point, if if AI does become a real de facto solution day to day, human beings' jobs are under proper threat because yes, it has the absolutely. ability. It has the ability to 
to do everything that we as human beings do already. Right. And, and more. And more. So and it's more. a scary prospect. It is a scary prospect. So, so our solution is probably more about augmented intelligence, which mm. is really the, the human and artificial intelligence combined. Um, so we certainly don't, uh, Advocate that we get rid of the human element absolutely. completely because no, I think it's a huge part of the process. How the solution works is 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 really about trying to understand an individual better than them, the, better that we laugh about it, but better than them, their mum and dad know them, mm. so that when they are, when we do give them career guidance advice, or we do understand who they are, what they are, um, in terms of where they should be best positioned in the recruitment space or in in the talent management space inside an organisation. We, we are then able, understanding and knowing who that person is, and obviously there's a bit more because we understand by a little bit of pre-consulting the culture of the business, mm. the KPIs, those elements, we, we are able to screen, match, and rank them in a role absolutely perfectly. Okay, but how? I mean, how intrusive does this, well, is this process? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. You really have to know some serious things about me in order to know me better than my parents do. So, so I mean, people have been doing it for a long time, but they've been doing it in just different segments or different pillars of the behavioral sciences. Mm. I mean, we psychometry is yeah. has been out there for a long time. Yeah. You know, there's other the neurosciences, industrial psychology, team dynamics. You can go on. There's there's loads of the mm. different sciences, but each one of those dives quite deep in its own pillar, as opposed to working in a multidisciplinary way. Okay. Our, our system works in a multidisciplinary way. We we do have in this country we have a skills test. Um, in other parts of the world, we call it an assessment because in this country we can't use psychometrics till we've mm. interviewed the candidate, and our solution is designed to be right up front in the process as opposed to right at the end. Okay. So so it is multidisciplinary. It takes into account everything you can imagine about the individual. And, uh, you know, I think when, one, once you've been through the process, it's not as intrusive as, as you might imagine okay. it to be. It's very thorough, very helpful. And as I said, we like to think it's it's the most accurate solution in the world at the moment, by the way, because for us, it's it's the only AI solution that is multidisciplinary. So, what would your your solution say about you? As, as well, a, I know. As a, so I've been through it, so okay, I know exactly okay, what it okay. says about me. So, so it's it's quite interesting. Um, so, I'm 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 an introvert. I have um, I mean, I, I, I now understand fully what I'm good at, what I'm mm. not good at, the roles mm. I need to play, where. Where I'm short on some of those skills as a leader in our business, um, I need to pass them on to people who are good at those things sure. so that we cover all the bases. Um, and that's why we have partners. You know, that's why there's four of us who are shareholders in the main group. Um, and why in every single one of our businesses, we have where there's someone running that group, they have a stake. The, the, the person who runs the business has a share in the business because that's you know, it, it makes perfect sense that they're incentivized the same way we are. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at, what I'm, what I'm not good at. I know our culture. I know how I fit inside our culture. I, I know what makes me tick and, and what, what, what makes me properly irritated, you know? So, so it's also for me nice to see that report because I understand how to manage me, let alone how someone else would manage me or how I would be able to manage myself going forward in a career. Mm. Well, you, you, can you believe that we've almost run out of time? You're um, kidding. Is that half an hour already? It's almost and half no an hour. And no Shluby. Imagine if Shluby had been here. Exactly. Uh, so let, let's ask you the question that we ask everyone sure. um, before we let them out of the studio. And that is, if you could go back in time and talk to the young 20-year-old future CEO you, yep. what would you say to yourself? Well, firstly, um, on a personal note, I would say make sure you finish your degree. Mm. Um, 
make sure you get your studies behind you. I think competition for CEO positions out there is very tough at the moment. Um, there's not a lot of top end positions and we have a recruitment business as well. So I, I know there's, mm. there's a lot of guys looking for work. So make sure you are well degreed, get your, your studies behind you. And if you are going to go down the, the route of being entrepreneurial, the, the one thing I would say is, you know, we very, we, we often look at the businesses and we, we, we talk about profit and loss. We don't always talk about cash flow. I, I think cash flow is probably of paramount importance, you know, to, Fund the business correctly and don't make the, the stingy decisions up front. You know, invest in, in, in the future in a way that makes perfect sense to capitalize a business that you have a chance of making it work. Most businesses don't go under because they're not profit, they're not profitable. They mm. go under because they, the cash flow is an issue. Exactly. Well, Joel Stransky, Pivotal Group, am I getting that right? That's 100% right. And uh, uh, Thank you so very, very much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, if people do want to find out more, they go Pivotal to… PivotalGroup.co.za okay, or nice you know, just, they can just Google us. We're, we're, we're out there. Okay, good, good. Thank you so very much. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. We really appreciate it. We're going to have to have you back when Luby's around. And then when we have you back, I will share with our listeners the my first… Real uh, enga- enga- engagement encounter with you, which was at the Google offices, and you you made a joke under your breath, and I'll never forget yeah. that joke. But we'll wait. Oh, she's. I hope it wasn't derogatory in any way. <laughs> no, no, it was it was classic. That's what it was. I chuckled. <laughs> I chuckled. But thank you, Joel. Thank you for being here. No, and my pleasure. All right. After the break, we are going to be talking sexual harassment in the workplace. I think this is a, a sometimes a very very. Uh, I think it's ignored or it is overlooked. It isn't given enough airtime. And so we're going to be doing that right after the break. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.